Hello, this is Ayan from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 9th of May. Listeners, since we at News Laundry are recording our podcasts from home because of the ongoing lockdown, the audio quality may be a little compromised. We hope you will understand and bear with us as we try to bring you the best despite these challenges. With 3320 new novel coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, India's tally on Saturday morning almost touched the 60000 mark. According to data put up by the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, the total case count stood at 59662 at 8 a.m. today. During the same period, 95 deaths were reported taking the toll to 1981. Out of these the number of active cases stood at 39,834 as 17,847 patients have been cured and discharged. The figures are a matter of concern as they reflect a growing upward tick even as the country remains under a strict lockdown. Among the states, Maharashtra remains the worst affected with 19,063 cases and 731 deaths till this morning. Amid the worsening situation, Chief Minister Uddhav Thakre on Friday said that his government may seek the deployment of Central Reserve Forces in the state to provide some breather to the overstretched and overworked police personnel. In addition to the heavy workload, a large number of police personnel have also been infected by the virus in the state. A total of 618 policemen in the state have been infected with COVID-19 so far. Amid rumors, Chief Minister Uddhav Thakre, however, clarified that there was no plan to deploy the army in Mumbai. Following Maharashtra, Gujarat recorded 7,402 cases and 449 deaths till this morning. At the third spot, Delhi, the national capital, registered a total of 6,318 cases and 68 deaths. Orisha, which had been reporting low numbers of coronavirus infections till now, saw its highest single-day surge so far, reporting as many as 78 new cases on Friday to take its tally to 287. 107 cases have been discovered over the last two days, mainly amongst the migrant workers returning from other states, which has triggered an alarm in capital Bhubaneswar. Addressing a press conference, Union Health Minister Harsh Vardhan today said that the recovery rate of COVID-19 patients in India has climbed to 29.9%. He further said that the fatality rate in the country continues to be around 3.3%. Pointing out that these are very good indicators, the minister added, and I quote, We do not anticipate a very worse type of situation in our country like many other developed countries, but still we have prepared the whole country for the worst situation, unquote. In a decision that will cut down India's need for COVID-19 testing kits, the Union Ministry of Health said that mild and moderate cases do not need to be tested prior to discharge. This is a departure from the earlier policy as patients had to test negative twice prior to discharge. Testing kits and testing rates has been a subject of debate and concern ever since the pandemic spread in the country in early March. As compared to several other countries, India's testing rate for COVID-19 has been abysmally low. To understand the country's testing strategy and what is constraining it, you can read a report by our correspondent Nikita Bishnoi. You will find it on our website and it is titled as India has tested less than 1% of its population for coronavirus. Why? Meanwhile, under the Vande Bharat Mission evacuation plan, the Indian government continued to bring home stranded nationals from abroad. An Air India flight carrying Indians from the UAE landed at the Chennai International Airport in the early hours of Saturday. 
A repatriation flight carrying around 250 stranded Indian students and tourists is scheduled to fly from London to Mumbai today. The plan will continue with more flights from a number of countries over the next week. Union Home Minister Amit Shah today said that the centre is not getting any support from the West Bengal government. This is not the first time a conflict between the centre and the eastern state has emerged during the coronavirus crisis. The state was accused of not cooperating with a team of officials sent by the centre to assess the ground situation earlier. In today's letter to West Bengal Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee, Home Minister Shah said that the state government is not allowing trains with migrants to reach West Bengal. He further wrote, and I quote, Not allowing trains to reach West Bengal is injustice with migrants. This will create further hardship for them. Unquote. However, the Trinamool Congress hit out at Amit Shah as the party's leader, Abhishek Banerjee, asked the Home Minister to either prove his allegations or apologize. The war of words comes at a time when migrants stuck in different states have finally been transported on trains to their home states by the government. The hardship of migrants has almost become synonymous with the nationwide lockdown to contain the spread of COVID-19. Over the past one and a half month, there have been numerous stories of poor migrants struggling for food, walking home for days at a stretch, moving secretly in cement mixing machines, and so on. To make matters worse, many of them have had to face police action as well for allegations of violating lockdown norms. These stories have come from different parts of the country and we at News Laundry have been constantly trying to bring them to our leaders. For example, just a couple of days back, our correspondent Basant Kumar brought you the story of Saddam and Tanvir, two migrants from Bihar's Katihar district who were stuck in Delhi due to the lockdown. Read the report to know how they embarked on a 1,400-kilometer-long journey in an auto rickshaw to reach home almost on an empty stomach. The report is titled, Lockdown, Kali Pet Auto Se Chaudaso Kilometer Ka Safar, and you will find it on our website. Many a time, stories like these do not make it to the big media, and therefore, the people's struggles go unnoticed. But as an independent media organization, we are forever committed to bring you these reports and raise issues that may not be comfortable to the government. But this effort needs your support, as we rely only on the subscription of you, the listener, viewer, and reader. We are not dependent on advertisements from either the government or any corporation. Because our journalism is founded on the belief that when advertisers pay, the advertisers are served. But when the public pays, the public is served. So keep empowering us by subscribing and telling others to subscribe as well. We have different packages with the minimum one starting at 300 rupees a month. So please go to our website and hit the subscribe button. Pay to keep news free. Now, coming back to news, the Arunachal Pradesh government has today announced that COVID-19 test is going to be made mandatory for anyone who enters the state. In a tweet, Chief Minister Pema Khandu wrote, and I quote, To keep our Arunachal safe from coronavirus, we have made COVID-19 tests 100% mandatory for every person entering the state. Even asymptomatic ones have to undergo tests, unquote. According to the government, not only the RT-PCR testing, but institutional quarantine will also be compulsory for students and people coming from outside the state. The state currently has no active cases. In an interview to NDTV, the World Health Organization's special COVID-19 envoy, David Nabarro, said that India has reported a relatively small number of coronavirus cases till now because it acted quickly. The health expert, who is also a professor of global health at Imperial College London, said that the pandemic will reach its peak in the country by the end of July. 
Nabarro warned that there will be sporadic outbreaks over time immediately after the lockdown ends and thereon the outbreaks will be contained. Let's now move on to some international news on the coronavirus. The global count of novel coronavirus cases has almost touched 40 lakhs. As per data by the Johns Hopkins University tracker, the figure stood at 39,51,905 at 2 p.m. Indian Standard Time today. This included a death toll of 2,75,067. The United States has continued to be at the top of the affected countries with a case tally nearing 13 lakhs and the death toll exceeding 77,000. The virus has reached senior government officials in the country. Vice President Mike Pence's press secretary, Katie Miller, tested positive on Friday, a day after President Donald Trump's valet. Mrs. Miller is the wife of Trump aide Stephen Miller. The White House has begun daily testing for Mr. Pence and Mr. Trump and has claimed to be taking every single precaution to protect the president. Following the U.S., Spain's case count has touched nearly 2,23,000, which included more than 26,000 deaths. Italy has recorded 30,000-plus deaths out of more than 2,17,000 cases so far. France and the United Kingdom, the other two Western European countries severely hit by the pandemic, have reported more than 26,000 and 31,000 deaths respectively. Across the whole of the African continent, more than 2,000 coronavirus deaths have been recorded by Africa's Center for Disease Control. By comparison, nearly 1,40,000 people have died in Western Europe, where the virus took hold several weeks earlier. However, according to a recent study by the World Health Organization, between 29 million and 44 million people in the WHO African region could get infected in the first year of the pandemic. Moreover, the study warns that between 83,000 and 190,000 people could die in the same period. The estimates are based on prediction modeling and focus on 47 countries in the WHO African region with a combined population of 1 billion. It leaves out Egypt, Libya, Tunisia, Morocco, Eritrea, Sudan, Somalia and Djibouti. So far, South Africa has the highest number of confirmed cases, that is more than 8,200 and 160 deaths, while Algeria has the most deaths at 483. China's President Xi Jinping has expressed concern about the threat of the coronavirus to North Korea and has offered his assistance to the country. Jinping was responding to a message that he received from North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. According to Chinese state media, the message congratulated Mr. Jinping on China's apparent success in fighting COVID-19. North Korea's government continues to maintain that there has not been a single confirmed case in the country. It was the first country to suspend tourism and to shut its borders in response to the virus in the third week of January. However, many analysts have questioned if zero case is possible at all. Experts also point out that the country has a fragile health system which would be quickly overwhelmed by even a small outbreak of COVID-19. In South America, Paraguay's President Mario Abdo Benitez has said that the spread of coronavirus in Brazil threatens his country's success in containing the virus. Mr. Benitez has said that more than half of Paraguay's 563 cases were people who had entered from neighboring Brazil. The country has spent the last two months under a strict lockdown and most people with the disease are being quarantined in guarded shelters. Meanwhile, Brazil has become the worst hit country in South America. More than 10,000 new cases were reported there on Friday alone, bringing the national total to 1,45,328. 
Nearly 9,900 virus-related deaths have also been reported from the country. The alarming situation in Brazil has caused concerns not only in Paraguay, but also in Argentina and Venezuela as well. Now, let's move on to some other news and updates from India and abroad. The National Human Rights Commission yesterday issued notices to the Maharashtra Chief Secretary and Aurangabad District Magistrate after a cargo train ran over migrant laborers and killed at least 16 of them. The migrants had fallen asleep on the track while they were walking back to their home from Jalna in Maharashtra to Bhusawal in Madhya Pradesh. Four workers survived the accident, which took place at 5.15 a.m. near Karmad, around 30 kilometers from Aurangabad. Taking Suomoto cognizance of media reports about the incidents, the Human Rights Panel directed the officers to submit a detailed report about the incident within four weeks. In a statement, NHRC said, and I quote, it should also include details of the steps taken by the state and the district authorities to provide food, shelter, and other basic amenities to the poor people, especially the migrant laborers who are facing extreme difficulties from every angle, unquote. Terming the incident an accident, the NHRC observed that it could have been averted if some arrangements had been made for their shelter or halt during their tiring journey. Delhi Minorities Commission Chief Zafarul Islam Khan on Friday approached the Delhi High Court seeking an anticipatory bail in connection with an FIR lodged against him on charges of sedition. The complainant has alleged that Khan on April 28 had shared a post on social media which was provocative. In the post, the chairperson had thanked Kuwait for standing with Indian Muslims in the context of the large-scale communal violence in Northeast Delhi in late February. In his bail plea, Khan cited that he is a public servant and that he suffers from a heart disease and hypertension, which makes him susceptible to the coronavirus. The petition also added that Khan has committed no offense and that the FIR was registered against him with an intention to harass and intimidate. Khan's advocate Vrinda Grover said that the petition was mentioned for an urgent hearing and has been allowed to be listed on May 12. The Supreme Court on Friday extended the deadline for the CBI trial court to pronounce its judgment in the Babri Masjid demolition case till August 31. Last year in July, the top court had said that the trial must be completed within nine months, that is by April 30. On May 6, CBI trial court judge Sri Yadav wrote to the Supreme Court seeking an extension of time as even recording of evidence had not yet been completed. A bench comprising Justices R.F. Nariman and Surya Kant said on Friday that the trial court judge should ensure that the new deadline is not breached. Thousands of people cycled through Slovenia's capital on Friday to protest against the government. They accused Prime Minister Janez Janša of using the coronavirus pandemic as a pretext to restrict freedoms in the country. The protesters have alleged that Mr. Yansha is attempting to increase police powers, inciting hatred against migrants and making personal attacks on journalists. Slovenia enforced a strict lockdown in response to COVID-19 in mid-March, but eased some measures two weeks ago. Brazil's National Institute of Space Research has said that more than 405 square kilometers of the Amazon rainforest had been deforested in April. The size of destruction is 64% bigger than during the same period last year when nearly 248 square kilometers were destroyed by illegal loggers and ranchers. The institute said that between January and April this year, a total of 1,202 square kilometers was wiped out, which was a rise by 55% as compared to the last year. Conservation groups in the country said that since the coronavirus outbreak began, fewer government enforcement agents had been deployed in the area. 
However, President Bolsonaro denies this. Earlier this week, he authorized the deployment of armed forces to the region. The Amazon rainforest is a vital carbon store that slows down the pace of global warming. Now, it's time for some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. Listeners, beginning today, we have come up with a new weekly newsletter that will break down the trends, innovations, and news on the media ecosystem. It's called Stop Press, and it will reach your inbox every Saturday once you sign up for it. In the first edition, Chitranshu Tiwari highlights the ever-growing importance of a subscription-based news model not only in India but all over the world. Indeed, with a slump in economic activities due to the coronavirus and consequent impact on advertisements, several media houses have now reached out to leaders with subscription appeals. While organizations have realized the necessity of this model during the current crisis, News Laundry was a pioneer in advocating this years ago. And thanks to all our subscribers, we have been able to continue our work all these years independently of any external pressure. So please go to our website, read the newsletter for more on media-related contents over the week, and yes, do subscribe to us. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you are listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.